with you, his relationships with his family, um, that sort of thing. So that is so hard to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when yeah. I'm being asked a question. Okay, yeah. so I can tell you a little bit about Nico. Um, he uh, was the middle child of three, and that was up until I had a late in lifer, so uh, okay. Then uh, I had a, a daughter years later, so I had four children. But the the older three were real close in age and um, did everything together, played sports together, um, everything. We just were always together. Uh, he was really close with his older brother and his little sister, and he was into soccer and baseball and wrestling and being outside and love the outdoors mm. um like to think that he was hunting let's say he loved just being in the woods since he was very very little mm. um he played hockey when he was younger uh football and wow he was he was a wild kid he was um into a lot of things and did i see that he won a national wrestling championship when he was yes. like really young. Yes, he was. He was seven. Um, oh wow! He yeah. He went to uh, Eastern Nationals. He was in the um, Mid Atlantic Wrestling Association, and my kids, my both of both of my boys wrestled when they were young. Um, right up through high school, Nico did. But um, when he was seven years old. He actually went to nationals, which was in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and he he won the championship. And he was wow. a little little boy. And then yeah. in high school, in high school, two years in a row, he won sectionals um, for Section Five wrestling when he was in high school. So wow. he was he was really into the wrestling, and he he got hurt in his tenth grade year, and um, had a neck injury, mm. and that kind of put a damper on his wrestling, and it was always a concern for us to um, follow doctor's orders where that right. was concerned because he, you know, the doctors were really concerned about him doing damage to his neck, so he ended up not wrestling after that. Yeah, yeah. He, ran, he ran track for one year, I believe, one or two. I can't even remember. One or two years he ran track. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, I don't know, he just loved sports. But there was, you know, the wild side once he got a little bit older and more independent and could spend some time away from his mom and right. me looking over his shoulder. You know what I mean? I mean, kids... Mm -hmm. Kids do things that we don't all know about, and of course, I don't know. It, it's just heartbreaking, I guess, at the end of the day, for me. Do you think it's heartbreaking because 
like just looking back on it or heartbreaking because it might have led to some of these connections? Well, I feel like I was always the parent that I I knew where my kids were. I knew what Mm -hmm. they were doing. And now when I reflect back, I just feel like maybe I didn't know everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I mean, there were things that I found out after Nico disappeared that people that he was hanging around with and things like that that I had no idea of. But I was always, um, I don't know, when the the boys were teenagers, there weren't a lot of of boys that hung out at our house. Um, There were a handful uh, that I can think off the top of my head, but I did not allow certain people at my house. Mm -hmm. And because I thought they were bad influences and I turn around and you know there's families out there that could say the same about about my kids and rightfully so I mean we all feel how we do about other people's children sure but right. I always, you know I always felt like I you know I had a pretty good handle on where they were and what they were doing and who they were hanging out with and then you know the rumor mill starts after oh, he yeah. disappears and pictures start surfacing of him with some people that I didn't care for, but those people were never at my home either. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't allow him to hang out with certain people. Um, But again, you know, once he was 18 years old, he just, you know, well, I'm an adult and I can do what I want. Well, you can, but as long as you live in my house, you're still going to live by my rules and those savory, you know, unsavory characters aren't coming to my home, Sure, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, and absolutely. Sometimes I, sometimes I wish that, I don't know, maybe I would have been a, a little bit more accepting, I guess, but Nico had a tendency just to hang around unsavory people. And mm-hmm. again, people could say, well, Nico was unsavory himself. Well, and that may be true, but, you know, that activity, things I didn't allow my kids to smoke in my house. I wasn't going to allow my kids to sit in my living room and drink. Um, I didn't do that. I didn't allow it. Um, You know, I would never allow it. I didn't allow underage parties at my house. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was not the cool mom. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Where teenagers would think, oh, well, we can go over there and hang out because their mom won't care. Well, that didn't happen here. Right. And he was still being influenced by it. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I think about, you know, my own childhood. I mean, I was doing things that my parents didn't know about, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I went to beer parties, and, you know, I did things that my parents would have been ashamed of. And, you know, I look back and I think, you know, Nico wasn't – he wasn't any different than any other 18-year-old kid. Right, and, exactly. And as far as what I knew what was going on. I mean, there could there could have been a lot of things going on that I didn't know about, but, you know, drugs came up. People were talking about him dealing drugs or doing drugs. And, you know, never to this day mm-hmm. has anyone come to me to my face and said, I know that Nico was doing this because he did it in front of me. I saw him do it. Never Mm -hmm. in all these years. Um, It's just the rumor mill. Right, the the rumor mill. But but I'm not going to say that it didn't happen either because I don't know. You know, I don't know for a fact. I just, 
you know, there were wild rumors. And I just, I look back and I think, you know, I'm no fool, but my kid was certainly not strung out on anything. I mean, oh, right. I was with him. We saw him. He, you know, I just, but it makes, you know, it makes me question, you know, did I pay that much attention to mm-hmm. him or, but I, and again, I think, you know, I don't have any other children that acted like him or, or disappeared or if mm-hmm. I did, maybe I would question my parenting there. But, you know, I have two other grown adult children that they, they're doing well in life. They're successful people. I'm not, you know, I, I've never been, um, oh my God, you know, I should have done things differently because I've got other kids that turned out okay, you know? Right. Right. I, and I, I think it thinks it needs go go ahead. Oh, I just think it's particularly hard like in our small area too, like the rumor mill oh, gets going. Yeah. And then it's, it's like not, it does. it's 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 out of control. Yeah. And it almost hinders Oh it's the story that you're trying to tell that Oh absolutely. at the end of the day your son is just missing. And right. And deserves to be found and you need that closure and instead there's just these horrible rumors that circulate um oh and they in eight years later i mean i'm still hearing things mm-hmm. you know i had someone just come into my place of work recently and want to talk to the tbi agent they wanted well first of all they wanted to talk to the new york state police and i said what what are you, what are you talking about in the middle of my work day oh. and and he said, well, I have information. I need to talk to the investigators. And I said, well, what do you what do you need to tell them? And he said, I'm not talking to you. I need to talk to the investigators. And in my mind, as the mom, I'm thinking, then why did you even come here? Right. Why didn't you pick up the phone? And why didn't you call the police if you don't want to tell me what's going on? And I said, mm-hmm. if you just tell me what's going on, maybe I can help you out here because it, maybe it's something that I've already heard or something that the police have already dealt with. And he said, no, I'm not going to tell you. I need to talk to the police. And, I, and he said, I need the investigator here right now. And we're standing, you know, in Addison, New York. And mm-hmm. I, that's I, not how it works. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, New York State Police, they're not even handling the case anymore. Obviously, you didn't mm-hmm. realize that. And he said, no. And I said, well, it's, you know, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is handling it. And he said, well, I want to, I want to talk to him then. And I, I'm just standing there. I mean, I have a client in my chair. I've got people waiting. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, everybody, hang on a second. And I go in a back room, and I bring him back, and I called the TBI agent, and I gave him my phone, and I said, here, tell him whatever you need to tell him. And I went back out and, and finished what I was doing out front. And to this day, I still don't know what this kid told the TBI agent. Um, and I and why, contacted my and, agent. And Go ahead. Why, and why he would come to your workplace to try right. to get in contact with the, the agent. Right. Well, and, you know, like, look up Nico's story, and you'll see phone mm-hmm. numbers for contact. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've had that happen for years. For years, people have come into my place of work and or called me at work, and it's, well, I'm not going to tell you who said it, but. Well, that doesn't help the case. No. And. If you're not going to give me names and you're not going to give me details, then don't waste your breath because you're not helping anything. And for so mm-hmm. many years, I mean, there were 150 people in Steven County alone that were interviewed. It, oh, that wow. I know of. That I know of. 
and this was back in that number, I'm going to guesstimate, and that number was probably from 2016, and at that time there was 150 that I knew of that had been wow. interviewed. And, you know, fast forward to July of 2016, they find a truck in Tennessee, and it just validated everything that I had said from mm-hmm. 2011. And it was like a waste of a waste of time. I mean, the police did do interviews. They, I mean, they have to vet every tip they get right. or whatever. And I know there were things that were done, but everybody around here that ran their mouth wasted so much time from New York State Police. And but again, New York State Police didn't believe that he ever left the area. Right. So, you know, they had to. They wanted to follow through because. They were sure that they were going to get him, and I was I was happy thinking, well, go ahead, get him, you know. Right, and right, at least we'll know where he is. Exactly. I don't have a problem going to right. County Jail to visit him. Right. Their issue was they wanted him to face whatever charges right. Right. were against exactly. him, not, not that he was truly missing. They thought he was right. Just they were that the he was running from the charges. Yep. He's hiding yeah. out, and he's going to turn up. And, I mean, there were even people that told New York State Police that I was hiding him in the, the upstairs of my garage. Oh. And and I said, and I, of course, I said to the investigator, I said, well, come to my house and look. And mm-hmm. the investigator said, well, trust me, if we thought that he was in the in the upstairs of your garage, we would be all over your house. But it's mm-hmm. like those were things that people were saying about me, mm-hmm. you know. Right. She's hiding him out. She knows where he is. I had a man sit in my chair one day to get a haircut, and he looked right square in my face, and he said, so where is he, Monica? And it's like, are you kidding me? What? A, yeah, and that's I'll, a slap in the face. It. Absolutely. You think that I'm pretending? You think that this isn't real for me? Mm-hmm. And, of course, this was in the first year or so of him being missing, but still, I haven't forgotten that, and I mm-hmm. remember it just like it happened yesterday, and it's like, I hope this never happens to you. you right, know? absolutely, absolutely. I th- I feel like, and you can tell me if this is accurate or not, but that people don't or can't understand until they're in it. Oh, Absolutely. And I was one of those people. I was right, one of those sure. people. Nine years ago, I would go to Walmart and I'd get my groceries. And you look on the wall and you see mm-hmm. the people of you know the missing posters. And I look at them and think, that's terrible. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. Those poor kids. And I'd go out to the car, put my groceries in, and be on my way, and never give just a second thought. You know. Mm-hmm. And so many people are like that. And in this area, especially. It's not even just, you know, the public themselves. The police. The police don't understand it. Oh, right. You know, you go to Albany, you go to Rochester, you go to New York City, you go to Nashville, Tennessee, and you walk into a police department, and they have a missing persons unit. They have people that specialize in that, like a homicide unit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're trained differently, and there's different protocols. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, in these big cities, it happens every day of the week. And around here, it doesn't. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I've learned over the years, you know, I wanted, when I had called the police on October 1st, which was a Saturday, so Nico left on Friday, 
um, when I called the police about reading about the truck in the paper, I wanted him reported missing. I wanted a missing persons report done. And I was told I had to call back on Monday and talk to an investigator. And when I called back on Monday the 3rd and wanted him reported missing, it was still, no, you know, we're not going to do that. And, you know, he's on the run type of thing. And they did not believe that he was missing. And it was not until, you know, October 10th that when Robbie died, when Robbie Knight died, that, oh, my gosh, wait, you know, maybe something's going on here. And a missing person report was taken. But the missing person's report that was taken was never even dated until December of 2011. Mm. And so as I get into the world of missing people, and my head is spinning, and I'm, you know, upset 24-7 and can't mm-hmm. sleep. I'm I'm learning all of these different things about protocol for missing people. And number one is, it is not the law that you have to wait 24 hours to report someone missing. That is not right. the law. That is something that these police departments, they do it according to the age of the person, if the person's been in trouble before, if they're an habitual runaway, you know what I mean. So it's, you know, you've got this bad kid that's looking at these charges, so he's not really missing. So I'm the parent that threw my own kid under the bus, and I'm up against the parents that would have, you know, would have been hiding Mm -hmm. the kid or would have not been honest with the police. And I was treated like... I wasn't telling the truth, and mm. that that bothers me still eight and a half years later. It's like I was dismissed at the police department. Um, one of the investigators called me a bitch in mm. front of other investigators and came back and told me about it. Um, I, I was looking for my son. You know, right. I'm not looking for you to be my buddy. I'm, I, mm-hmm. I want you to do your job. And I didn't have a problem with, so Nico was involved with a stolen truck. But it wasn't just Nico. It was, there was Robbie Knight. And there right. was also, there was also another individual that I haven't got into, you know, with um, any other um, podcasts or anything. Um, there was another boy, there was a third boy involved with the truck. And, oh, okay. um, he, um, I think it was in 2013, Nico had been gone probably two years maybe. I think it was 2013. I could have the date wrong. But there was a boy, a local boy picked up on a marijuana charge, and they took him to the state police barracks, and they started questioning him because they knew that he had been hanging out with Robbie Knight and Nico when Nico disappeared. And this boy told that he was with uh, Robbie and Nico in this truck and that they robbed a home and um, this boy wrote it on paper, signed his name to it. Mm. And the the investigators told me about it and my question was, well, how come he's not being arrested? If he's admitting to being there and involved in this robbery, uh, why is he not being arrested? Well, you know, we have to do a little further investigation. And this is my feeling only on that, and that that was crap. They didn't want to investigate it anymore. They were waiting to catch Nico. Robbie Knight is now dead, and they were going to have that kid testify against Nico and blame everything on Nico. 
they were going to give that kid oh, a deal, right. and they were going to have him turn state's evidence against my kid. And this kid, in, he he admitted that he was involved, and they didn't and he, arrest him. And he's never been charged with that. He has been since oh. um, 2016 when the new investigator took over, the one that found the truck. Um, when he came to my house, and it was May 5th, um, or maybe it was May 6th, I don't even remember, but it was May, it was near my husband's birthday anyway, the first time I met him, and he came to my house, and he sat here, and one of the very first things he asked me, he said, so what do you think about that? You know, the boy that admitted that he was with him, and I said, I'll tell you what I think about it. I think that the investigators that initially had the case were waiting to catch Nico, and they were going to have that kid testify against Nico, and I said, and it's bullshit that the kid never got arrested. And he said, I agree. And he said, and I'm going to arrest him. And 10 days days later, the boy was arrested. But that never made the paper. No one ever heard about it. But I heard about it because that investigator called me and he said, guess who I have with me? And he told me that he had arrested him. And when the boy was released from jail, they notified me that he was released from jail. Okay. Um, and it's just, that, it's just disheartening, you know, so many things just went wrong in the, in right. the very beginning of this. So much time was think, lost. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it could have been different for everyone if someone would have come forward. And the boy that ended up getting arrested, um, you know, I just, I, I just feel like if he would have made a phone call to me, you know, that day and said, hey, you know, Monica, Robbie and Nico, they dropped me off here at home and have taken off and, you know, something's not right. I don't, you know, if he would have said something, mm-hmm. maybe Robbie Knight wouldn't be dead right now. You know, right. maybe my son wouldn't have been missing for eight and a half years. Um, maybe the people involved in Tennessee, there's a couple people in Tennessee that were involved mm-hmm. that are now deceased. Maybe that stuff wouldn't have had to have happened had someone said something. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, That leads me to my next question. Um, You have had to do a lot of the legwork in this case, like keeping it a priority for investigators or trying to make it a priority for investigators, I should say. Can you talk about that process a little bit and, like, how you've had to really advocate on Nico's well, behalf. I have always been the person that has always said, if I don't stick up for my kid, who's going to? Sure, and right. this is no different. This is absolutely no different. And I am my son's voice. And, you know, even if my son, if New York State Police had been right, and if my son had been on the run, I am still going to be the one saying, do your job, go find him then. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just something in me that I cannot, that is my child. And mm-hmm. people will say, well, he was 18 years old. Yes, he was. He was mm-hmm. an 18-year-old kid. He was mm-hmm. a kid. And, you know, we've all done things in our lives that we're ashamed of or not proud of. And I certainly have. And I'm 49 years old now. And I look back and think, boy, I'm lucky that I am where I am. I'm I'm glad that I got out of that crazy stage, 
Nico mm-hmm. never had the chance to do that. You know, Nico right. never will be able to apologize to anyone or mm-hmm. make amends or become a contributor to society. And it is it is my job as his mother to make sure that the police don't forget about him or who he was. I, you know, it doesn't matter to me if people are alcoholics or if they're prostitutes mm-hmm. or bad bad kids into drugs. I don't care. When somebody goes missing, that person still has a family that loves them. They Absolutely. are cared about. And it doesn't, you know, I was, I will be honest, I was very embarrassed. Um, I was ashamed that my son was involved with the theft of a truck, which, you know, for years we didn't even really know, you know, is is it for sure that he stole it? You know, mm-hmm. um, did I think in my heart that he did? Absolutely, I did. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have called the police the day, you know, the right. day that I did when I read about it in the paper. But I, you know, even though there were things that he did that I certainly wasn't proud of, I, I wasn't. I'm not going to turn my back and just say, okay, well, you know, enough of you. That's my kid. That's my flesh right. and blood. And right. if and, and if I don't stand up child. and I don't speak. Yeah, and if I don't speak about it, who's going to? Because nobody loves mm-hmm. him like I love him, you know? Oh, right, and, absolutely. And people just don't, like, back, you know, to one of your first questions, you know, people just don't understand what it's like unless you're living it. And you can have people mm-hmm. come up to you all day long and say, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry, and I, you know, I understand your pain. No, you don't. You right, have no absolutely. clue. No clue. Mm-hmm. But, um, and you know, I I feel it's very important to, you know, contact the media whenever I can. Um, whoever will listen, I will talk. And I text my TBI agent all the time. I make phone calls. I, I'm just, I'm going to make sure that people don't forget that I've got a son that went missing in 2011, and he was last seen in in Franklin, Tennessee. So I'm not... I'm just not ever going to go away. Right. Absolutely. And you were sort of the driving force behind TVI getting involved. Well, driving force, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I was in Tennessee. New York State Police were in Tennessee one year after they found the truck. They found the truck in July of 2016, and I was throwing fit, like, what, what's happening? Why aren't you going back there? Mm-hmm. What is going on? Well, we, you know, we can't run this investigation from Tennessee. So it was over a year. It was September of 2017. New York State Police finally said, okay, we're going to go back and we're going to conduct interviews. And mind you, before New York State Police ever went to Tennessee in 2016, that's all I harped on since 2011. Somebody needs to go to Tennessee. Somebody needs to go mm-hmm. to Tennessee. Well, they didn't believe he was in Tennessee. That could have been right. a ruse. You know, the fan, you know, the phone travel doesn't mean Nico did that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So my my focus was always Tennessee. Once I knew that that phone had went there, I knew that my kid had connections there. I knew that he went there. And I just I couldn't convince the police of that. So 2016, they finally go. They find the truck. One year and so many months later, they decide they're going to go back and do some questioning. And I went on that trip. 
and maybe to the dismay of them, but I was like, I am going. So my hope was that when they were going to do some interviews and whatnot, that they would let me be there so that some of these people could see me, who I was. Mm -hmm. They could see Nico's mother, and that didn't happen. They didn't want me anywhere near that police station. So Mm. I sat in my hotel room, and I I have – I belong to – a group called Q Center for Missing People, and I've met lots of people, advocates, whatnot, through that, and um, I was on the phone with a few people telling them what was happening, and one person suggested, you know, maybe you should reach out to the TBI. So I went to, I looked it up, and I went to the TBI headquarters in Nashville, Tennessee, drove in there, went inside, told them who I was, I wanted to speak to somebody, and the lady behind the desk looked at me and she said, I'm sorry, that's not how we work here and you're not you're not going to be able to see anyone. And I said, look, I have a missing son, and I said it in the truck that he was traveling in was found in in Nashville. I said, so I need to talk to somebody. And she said, I'm sorry, we, we don't do that. And they made me leave the building. Mm-hmm. And I got out in the car and I was crying and I was like, now what? So I make a couple more phone calls and then Someone had suggested to me, well, maybe you should go to the DA's office. And I said, okay. So I Googled the DA's office in Nashville, Tennessee, put it in my GPS, and I drove there. And I went inside there, and I kind of got the same thing from a woman that was behind the desk. And I said, look, I'm not leaving until someone comes out here. I am not leaving. And I am crying and hysterical, and I've got my son's picture up against the glass so that she can see it. And I said, my Mm -hmm. son went missing here, and someone needs to help me. And about that time, a couple of investigators come out. And, of of course, this is like you're talking like courthouse security type of stuff. This isn't Mm – and it's not Steuben County Court either. I mean, like, plate glass windows and doors that lock, and you have to have codes to get in them. And, you know, it's – security is going on here and these guys come out and um they said well you know step into this room and and we'll talk to you so i sat with them i explained what was happening um i told them that the new york state police were in franklin conducting interviews and the one investigator gets up and these are investigators for the da's office out of nashville tennessee and the one guy gets up and he leaves He's gone for a few minutes, and he comes back, and he says, I can't find this kid in our system anywhere. And I'm like, what do you you mean? He Mm -hmm. said, I don't see him in the system anywhere. And, again, this was 2017, and couldn't find anything on Nico in the system. And Nico was supposed to be listed nationwide as a missing person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know. Has that really happened? I, I don't know because I don't have access to those computers. So. I have all of these numbers that the police have given me over the years, um, and he's supposed to be in the national database. But, again, this man tells me he doesn't see anything about him in his system. And so I said, well, New York State Police are in Franklin, and I'm going to get with them and, you know, see if, you know, they'll meet with you or something. And they're like, okay, well, here's our card, and give it to your investigators, and we'll see what happens. But there's really nothing that we can do. So I left there, and I went down on the street, and I called the lead investigator from New York State who was in Franklin doing interviews, and I said, hey, I just left the DA's office, and I have their card. You should call them. And he said, can you set up a meeting with them? 
And I said, mm-hmm. when? He said, I don't, you know, whenever, whenever they can. I said, tomorrow? He said, yeah. So I went back inside, went back upstairs, asked to speak with those gentlemen again, and I said, can you meet with the New York State Police tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock at this hotel? Well, yeah, and they're looking at each other. Yeah, I guess we can. So the next morning, we all met at the hotel where the New York State Police are staying. And I was in that meeting when New York State Police were going over the information with these investigators from the DA's office. And the DA's office said, well, you know, we can take this information and take it to the DA and we'll see what happens. And um, there was a little bit of information that was told in that meeting. And I erupted in that room and I said, what are you doing I said, you have information like that right now, and you're just going to get in your car and go back home? Mm. And, I mean, I was screaming. And right. I said, this is crazy. I said, if this was any of your kids in this room, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be sitting in here talking about this right now. And I said, do your fucking jobs. And I told them I was going to the media. And I went out into the hallway, and my daughter came out, and my best friend came out. They were with me in that meeting. And my daughter was trying to calm me down, and she said, Mom, stop. Mom, you got to stop. You can't, you know, you can't go to the media. And I said, bullshit, I can't. I said, I am tired of the lies and dragging on, and now we're going to leave here, and we aren't going to have any contact. There is going to be no one in charge of this case mm-hmm. because New York State is going to drop it, and Tennessee doesn't want it. And the lead investigator from New York came out, and he said, Monica, you've got to calm down. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need to calm down. I have, I've kept it together for all these years and something needs to be done. And he, he said, Monica, we have to, we have to have Tennessee on board here. He said, we have to convince them to take this case. I said, convince them. I said, that's their job. I said, you have a truck that's tied to a missing person out of New York state that was found in their city. It makes it their problem. And we we left there September 21st of 2017, and I never got a phone call from anyone from any authorities until November. And um, I had been emailing the DA's office in Tennessee and asking them, who's taking the case? What is is going on? Can you tell me who's going to get this case? Who's going to be in charge? And I couldn't even get a response from the DA's office um, from the end of September, all of October, and finally, I believe it was November 2nd that I got a phone call from a TBI agent, and he told me that he was given a case and wanted to know if I could come to Tennessee to meet with him. And mm-hmm. it was like two days later, I was in my car, and I was on my way to Tennessee again. And I was told, you know, in meeting with him, you know, you're not going to be given any information. We won't share anything with you. And he was true to his word. They do not they mm-hmm. do not share anything with me. Mm-hmm. So... Since 2017, I have been pretty much in the dark. So Mm. my way of making sure that people in Franklin know about my son, I I decided my girlfriends and I were talking about it, and it's like we have to do something down there to bring attention. So the last two years I've had what is called um, the Walk for Answers, and Mm -hmm. there have been many of my friends and family, and we all traveled to Tennessee, and... We set up camp, and the media comes, and 
I, we had, well, I didn't. My girlfriends and my sister got together and they had a raffle and raised the money and we put up a billboard in Franklin um, that the TBI really wasn't too happy about. I don't think that there's, there's people in the community that aren't happy about it, but that's too bad. The people down there right. that were involved, I think that they should be exposed. I think that the public should know who they are and they haven't been. Nobody has released their names. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've asked me to keep my mouth shut. But what's ironic about the whole thing is back in 2011, when I was going through my son's phone records and his contact list in his phone, of his phone contacts, I handed over names, addresses, and phone numbers of some of the very people that they today believe had something to do with the demise of my son. And I gave that to the police. I did that research. That wasn't the police doing the research. That was me. Right. And I can remember in 2016, the the investigator that found the truck, I can remember him coming into my shop, and he had a book with him, and he opens up the book. He said, I need, you know, can I talk to you for a few minutes? I said, yeah. And I said, what's up? And he opens up this book, and I'm looking, and I see this name on there. And former. I said, I know exactly who that is. And he goes, you do? I said, yeah. I said, I have the date and everything. When I talked to them, I hang on a second. And I had all these notebooks and stuff that I'd been keeping over the years, and I had them at the shop with me. And I I said, it's in a green notebook. I know it's in a green notebook. And I got out my green notebook, and I opened it up, and it was like on the third page on the right-hand side, information that he had written in his notebook that I had already given to the police back Mm -hmm. in 2011. And I said, right here it is. I said, I talked to these people on December 18th of 2011 here's the son here's the father i i talked to them and voila that's where the truck was found at their mm. house wow and it's, just, it's crazy it's like you can't make this stuff up right right and they make it seem so easy on tv oh yeah yeah and that and you know what bothers me too it's like you know the, we can't get any national coverage, right. and a lot of that is because the police won't comment. The police won't comment, mm-hmm. and then you have like I had Dr. Phil call Dr. Phil's show. Their producers called me, and of course they want me to start throwing out names because they want to contact these people. Well, you know what? I I want to be loud and I want to do a lot of things, but I I certainly don't want to risk ruining an investigation either. Sure, I, right? I don't want to do that. Um, do I, do I have times in periods that I think, you know what, I don't care. I'm telling everybody who these people are. Yeah, I have, I have those moments. And then I think, you know what, I can't do that right now. And I'm going to let the police be the ones to build their case and do what they've got to do to actually make it so they'll go physically look for my son because they haven't done that yet. And the police and I are on different pages. I just want somebody to go look for my son. Well, they don't want to go look for my son until they get all of their information and all their ducks in a row. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to be able to make arrests. I don't, I don't even care about that right now. The, the names of the people in Tennessee, I would absolutely love their names out there, but do I care if they get, get arrested? No, not right now. I don't. The only thing no, that I want to know right. is where my son is. I want to know where my son is so I can bring him home where he belongs with us. He does not belong right. in Tennessee discarded like trash. Absolutely. And so you believe that Nico is 
dead at this point. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. Because and there's I, no way that he would not, he would go all of these years without contact. I do not believe that. No, right. I do not believe that. Not one minute. And, and I, do you think the police believe that he is no oh, longer with us? My, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I think that there's some, I think that there's some investigators um, that are on the fence that don't, that don't know details, but I had the TBI agent sit right across from me and he looked me right in the face and he said, I don't believe that your son is alive and my feelings about that will not ever change. And he also sent that to me in a text message. And mm-hmm. I, do I think that the police sometimes tell you stories? I, sure, absolutely they do. Um, I, I don't believe that the police have always been 100% honest with me. Um, obviously because they have to protect an investigation and there could be people involved in this that I don't even know about, but the the basics of the investigation, I know about it. I know that when the truck was found by the New York state investigator, I mean, he, he left me. Um, we had, we had lunch. We had met the Monday before he, he left on a Monday to go down there. And that the Friday before that we sat and had lunch and we were talking about what was going to happen when he went to Tennessee in July of 2016. And I sat at that lunch with him and another investigator, and I was telling them about I have seen Nico pop his shoulder out of joint and that if they put him in handcuffs, that be careful because I know that he could get them in front of his body. And they had me convinced that they were going to go down there and they were going to find him and they were going to bring him home. And I remember coming home from that lunch and my husband said to me, I don't like the way he talks to you. And I said, I don't know what you mean. And he said, Monica, I think that we've all decided that we know that something has happened to Nico and he Mm -hmm. is giving you false hope and I don't like it. And I said, well, I would rather feel like they're going to bring him home than to believe that he's dead. Mm-hmm. And that was on a Friday. And then it was on that following Thursday. Well, first of all, he gave, he gave me a call Tuesday after they had done some interviews. And his demeanor was different on the phone with me. And he said, Monica, I... I think that your instincts about this family on Flint Lock Drive were right, and I don't think that this is going to end well. And, and this is the same investigator that had tried yeah. to convince you that he was bringing Nico back yeah. alive. Yes. Hmm. Yep. And I could tell by the sound of his voice that he felt different. And then it was two days after that when they found the truck, and it was like, I was just defeated and mm-hmm. it was, you know, I, I knew, um, I think I knew very early on something had to have happened to Nico to the point where he physically could not contact us. Nico was always on his phone. He was a social right. media guy. He was close with his cousins, not just his brother and sister or his dad or me. He, My mom, I mean, when Nico was mad at me, he, Nana, can you come and get me? I want, I want to come to your house. You know, it, 
mm-hmm. we were tight. We were we were tight. And no, we weren't a family without problems. All families have problems, mm-hmm. but we were tight. And Nico was tight with my sister and my brother-in-law and his cousins. I mean, exceptionally close with all of us. And every one of us knows that if he was able, he would have reached out to someone. And right. I mean, Nico Nico was not without problems. And when Nico had problems, who did Nico call? Oh, that's right, his family. Mm-hmm. His family. Mm-hmm. And so we we all kind of, you know, thought there, something is seriously wrong here. Something is seriously wrong. And the police just aren't, they're not listening to us. And again, I was up against those the parents and the families that would cover for somebody that was running and in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I was telling them the truth. Like he would be calling me, you know? And I right. remember I remember three days in, you know, I'm laying on my bathroom floor and I was just screaming and crying and just I'm like, I'm never gonna talk to him again. I'm never gonna see him again. And this was three days after he left. Mm. And, you know, I have really good days and I have really bad days, but there is not Mm -hmm. one day in the last eight and a half years that goes by that I don't think about my son Mm -hmm. and want answers as to what happened to him. Right. Right. And like you said, it's not even about having someone arrested. It's just having him back. It's, It's about, you know, and I've had people say to me, well, what do you mean? You you know, you would be satisfied, you know that, you know, you know that he's deceased, you just want his, his bones back? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I do. Yes, I mm-hmm. do. And, right. You know, so I've he's not out there. No, yeah, I, like know, someone just, like big... you said, someone discarded him. Exactly. Like trash. That's no and way you know for how... anybody. And it's so hard and there's so many parents out there that that are in my situation, and they will totally get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. When it's snowing outside, when it's raining outside, you're wondering where they mm-hmm. are. Are they cold? Have they eaten? And and ninety percent of us, you know, we we feel like we already know they're deceased, but it doesn't matter. Right? You know, there's that they possibility. Can still be cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, are they cold? Are they wet? Where are they? Are they under a tree? Are they under a tarp? Are they in somebody's house? Is somebody holding them hostage? You know, we think all of these crazy, crazy things. And my mind was always like a movie reel. It just goes around and around from thought to thought. And, you know, one thought isn't even complete and you're on to the next. And it's not good stuff. Right, right. And I think, you know, I think now it's like, what did they do to him? Mm-hmm. And did he suffer? And, you know, that stuff bothers me. That keeps you up Absolutely. at night. Absolutely. Um, I know I asked you this um, over Messenger, but what advice do you have for other families who are going through a similar situation? I don't know what the best advice is. I've got several things that I think about. Um, You have to take care of yourself, number one. If you Mm -hmm. ever have a missing child, 
you have to take care of yourself because if you aren't around, who's who's going to be their voice? You right. know, um, and I'm not. I mean, I've certainly had my health issues over the last eight years, and stress does not do anyone any favors. Right. But you just you have to get up every day, and you have to put your feet on the floor. And you have to be the voice for your missing loved one because nobody else is going to do it. And if you mm-hmm. think the police are going to do it, that's that's the last that's the last that's going to do it for you. The police aren't going to do right. it for you, you know. And there were times that I, you know, Nico was my case twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and still is. Um, I just I think every day, what is, what could I do? What could I, you know, how do I stir things up or you know, bring attention back to this or what mm-hmm. is it that I can do. And, you know, you have to be diligent in, in thinking that way, I guess. But you, sometimes it's like, I guess, I I don't know how to describe it. Like with me, there's so many things that I can remember, dates and things like that. So if somebody has a missing person you write down everything. You write down everything no matter how hard it is because I I wrote things down all over the place, on the back of mm-hmm. napkins, on the back of billing statements, in notebooks after notebook after notebook. And I have a collection of all of these things, and I wish that I would have kept better track in, in an orderly fashion um, because I have to go searching through notebook papers or – literally napkins that I wrote dates and times and things like that on. So that's super, super important. Um, But you you get lost, you know. Um, I go to work every day. I I went to work every day that I could when Nico, even when he first went missing. I mean, I was at work, and I dragged myself out of bed, and I, I didn't remember driving there. I don't remember whose hair I did that day, but I can tell you what time the police called me. Right. Um and I'm and I'm still that way today. You know, eight years and some months later, I can tell you any date that you want to ask me about when mm-hmm. you the truck, when did you go to Tennessee, when did he go missing, when did Robbie Knight die? I can tell you all of that, but I can't tell you whose hair I did yesterday. I can't tell mm-hmm. you that without physically look going to look because it's just not it it's not important. Right. It's it no longer important. a priority. No, no. The the priority is to make sure that law enforcement does not forget that there is a family here that has a missing boy that we love and care about, and we want to know where he is so we can bring him home. And we are mm-hmm. the only ones that are, are going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. I I believe that Nico's case is probably in a box somewhere on a shelf collecting dust, but as long as I keep reminding them that I'm here, it's like, oh, God, ugh, this woman. Well, I don't care. Right. Because that's right. my son. Right. And like you said, if it was, it were their child, they would have oh. the same. The same well, if I, if I was somebody of caliber, I mean, if I was, you know, if my husband was a governor or if he was a councilman mm-hmm. or a mayor or the chief of police or a firefighter or if we were of importance, Nico would have been looked for, but mm-hmm. he was not because he was already labeled troublemaker, right. you know, and I heard, I heard one investigator use the term vermin, you know, okay, is that what you say about my son really? when I walk out of here? 
that he's vermin, that, oh, well, it's just vermin on the street. Is that what you say about my son when I walk oh, out of your office? Oh, my word. Absolutely, 100% oh, that's honest. disgusting. That's awful. Mm-hmm. It is. That it, right, because we put so much trust into them. Oh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. He, he, nobody is vermin. <laughs> oh, vermin. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It is disgusting and i just you know it's i got and i have friends that are police officers that i love dearly and i'm glad that they're there but when i'm in the situation that i'm in it's very easy to to pick apart things that that i believe that the police did wrong you know right do i still have friends that i care about and love that are in law enforcement absolutely i do um do i think that the police in my area need more training on, you know, what proper protocol is for families with missing people? Absolutely. And I don't care Absolutely. that I'm, you know, I'm one in how many in this in the county that I'm in. But, you know, there are two other, there were two other missing people, missing males that went missing from this area that you never read about in the paper. You've never heard mm-hmm. anything about their cases. And that's wrong. That is right. wrong. And, Absolutely. you know, the the word on the street was that, you know, these boys were mixed up into drugs and, you know, well, I shouldn't say boys, one was late 20s and one was in his 30s. I don't care what they were mixed up in. These guys mm-hmm. are missing from our area and you never hear a word about them. And I think that not just in this area. But, I mean, the police in this area, I do believe, need to, to go to class. They need to. They need, sure. They need sure. to know what pro- proper protocol is. They, And uh, you know what? I'd pay for it. I'd come up with the money, and I would send, I don't know, two or three every year. There's a conference in North Carolina, and it's a missing persons conference. And I can think, you know, oh, I wish this investigator, this investigator, and this investigator from New York could be sent down there and sat in those rooms and have to listen to what real law enforcement does when they have a missing person. Right. This this conference is held in Wilmington, and you you go there and you listen to this law enforcement agent up there talking about the importance of the the phone call to the police immediately when you believe you have someone missing. Well, that's not what you hear here, or right. really even on TV. You've got to wait 24 hours, you know. No, you don't. And right. if these investigators could sit and listen to what these professional people, professionally trained people that have degrees, that have been to college, that, you know, this is what they do for a living, if they could sit and listen to that, I'd pay for it if they would go. Mm-hmm. I would pay for for them to attend because I think mm-hmm. it's it's sad. Yeah, yeah. And as a, you know, and I didn't know anything about, you know, nationally or anything like that, about, you know, statistics with missing people or anything until, you know, I was living it and smack dab in the middle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never thought that my son would be missing five years. I remember meeting a woman and her son had been missing for five years. And I looked at my sister and I said, well, I'm not, you know, going to be in her shoes. And. Mm-hmm. My sister looked at me and she goes, what, what do you mean? And I said, there's no way that in five years from now that we're not going to know where Nico is. Well, I'm in, you know, going on year nine now. Yeah. And so 
I I've learned a lot in in the in the last eight years, and there's in the United States and beyond missing males do not get the attention. Right. The African American community does not get attention. Mm-hmm. It is generally white, blonde, teenage, blue-eyed, Vale Victorian of the class, the cheerleader, the football star's girlfriend that went missing. Mm -hmm. That's who gets the attention, and it's sad, and it's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was all the questions I had for you that I had written down. Okay. Um, Is there anything that that I didn't talk about? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I will. So my goal was that my sister and I would do the script that I had sent you, Mm -hmm. um, and then we would use the audio from this phone call separately as its own standalone episode. Um, And so... Um, we haven't set a date to record anything, but, um, hopefully in the next week or week or so, my sister and I will get together and do that. And I will, um, I will either, I can message it to you, um, before it goes live even, um, so you can hear it first. Um, and then we can share it and publish it on our podcast site and then, um, we can even put it in the in your Facebook group. Um, okay. And what is your podcast? I don't even know. It's it's never found, never forgotten. Never found, never forgotten. Yes, I did know that because I read it. <laughs> um, yes. So we, um, yeah, we we're hoping like when you talked about missing males or African Americans, like that's our goal. Really, is to bring some attention to the cases that we don't hear about. Um, because you're right, well, we hear about if you ever if you ever have finish, I have a list. Have, I've got a lot of friends. Oh, that would be great. Oh, well, I can I could hook you up for a long time because I know oh, that would be, many, many families. You feel free to message them to me. Message the list. Okay. Um because okay. I would love to share the stories that aren't being told. Um because you're right, we hear so much about the and I, and I don't mean to minimize those cases either, but there are some that get the attention that you hear over and over and over about, oh, and others you hear nothing, nothing. And you're right. I mean, I you're live. Right. I don't. Go ahead. I live, you know, I grew up in Whitesville. Um, do you know where that is? It's like I two do. towns over from Troop <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've driven through it. Um, that's where I grew up. My sister and I. Um, and I remember seeing something on Facebook when Nico first went missing, but in all of these years, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then someone shared it in our Facebook group for the podcast and asked us to cover it. And I said to my sister, like, how have we not heard about this? You know, it was just shocking to me that that can happen. I have, I that, I have that happen at my work. I have pictures of him in, in my window. and. Just last week, I had a lady come in, and she said, oh, can I get a wax? And I said, sure. And she comes back, and she sits down, and she says, that boy in the window, did they ever find him? And I said, no. Mm. She goes, do you know him? I said, yes, he's my son. Oh. 
you know. And this is a local townswoman yeah. that lives around the corner from my shop. <laughs> you know, it's like, did yep. you find that kid in the window? Yeah. And it's just, it's unbelievable that even in as small of an area as we are, it's right. like people just, people don't know. People don't nope. know about it. Yep. And in, in Franklin, I've gotten Facebook messages and things, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we just saw this billboard. I've lived in Franklin my whole life. I didn't know about this. Mm. What can I do to help you? You know what I mean? It's crazy right. to me. But yeah. it's, it, it is. It's, it's uh, not to minimize other people's tragedies. I'm not trying to do that at all. But there are so many stories out there that you don't ever hear about. And right. It's, I just, I don't understand. It, I guess whatever, whatever sells. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the name of the game. And, you know, you have these, you have these people that you think that are interested. And it's, you know, I'm going to, I will, I'll throw it right out there. I'll use New York State Police as an example. Um, The last investigator um, who I spent on on the phone with and, you know, confiding, you know, my feelings with and what I thought was going on and what had happened and, yeah, some of that included you know co-workers of his and things and he listened to me and for two and a half years and now if you said my name he would be you know he's off on other cases and and to Mm -hmm. me that is just like how can people turn that on and turn that off like that um it's right to me but it's just another case and that's their job and it's their job to walk away from it and that makes me feel like it never really mattered. Right. And, you know, my it, my my case isn't a, you know, it's not a robbery case. You know, it's not the stolen truck case. We're mm-hmm. talking about my son. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I just, I don't know how people turn that on and turn it off and they can walk away. Um, people that have, like, let me go. Let me just say this: if I was if I was interviewed by Doctor Phil, I would be made to feel like he was going to help me right there, right then. But then, after the show is over, Doctor Phil really isn't helping me. It's, right. It's about getting getting the ratings. You know what I mean? Yep. And, yep. And people in your position, so because podcasts are so big now and they're just exploding yeah. all over, and for you it would be really smart to go the route of the untold stories because these families out there need the coverage and whether, you know, I mean, it's not like I like to say the public loves it, but the public loves the mystery. They mm-hmm. love, they do, they love it. They'll tune in and they'll say, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a case I've never heard about before. Why haven't we heard about this yeah. case? You know what I mean? And it happens yeah. to so many families, so many yeah. families. It's so, it's, so unfair it is like it is yeah and i just i feel like what you know what did what did we do to deserve this mm -hmm. you know right it's like why can't why can't you why can't people cover my son's story i just Mm -hmm. feel like why because he was a bad egg well there's a lot of bad eggs out there but you know right i just he was a kid yep and just i just I don't know, I'm partial, you know, it's it's my son. 
That's huge to some people, though. It's That's huge to some people. Well, he was 18. He was an adult. And you can read it in the paper all the time. You know, people and, well, not in, in the paper anymore. It's social media. You know, people are so brave on Facebook. And they oh, say, yeah. They say some crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, I've been attacked. I've been attacked and been told that I was a crappy mother and, you know, I didn't, I didn't care about what my kid did and, you know, no wonder why he left. You know, I'd hate to have you as a mom. I, that's what I've been told. And it's like, you know what? I've grown some thick skin, but that's not to say that I'm not human. And when I go to bed at night, Mm -hmm. that, that, that doesn't bother me because it does. Right. Right. And I think anybody that's human, that it would affect them, you know, in some shape or form. But people can be cruel. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And then, and then unfortunately, until they're in that situation, they'll just never, never get it. Well, and, you know, I use the analogy sometimes. You know, people have asked me in interviews and things, and they've they said, well, you know, what what was your first thought and, you know, how how did you feel? And when I explain to, like, even some of my friends, you've been in Walmart or you've been in a in a shopping market or, you know, you've been somewhere at some point in time. And I am pretty sure that there's probably 99.9% of parents out there that sometime or another when they had a two-year-old toddling around, walking around, that they've lost them in a store behind a coat rack. Or it's, and you have that instant panic of, Mm -hmm. I can't see them, I can't see them. That was my panic. That's Mm -hmm. my panic that I still wake up to at night, that I don't know where my kid is. Mm -hmm. And it's the, if you've ever experienced that, even in your home, you know, you thought they were in their bedroom and they're not, and you panic mm-hmm. for a minute, and you don't, you can't hear them, and maybe they're hiding on you, and that is, that is real, and it just, it doesn't go away. Right, right. And it makes you a negative person. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I was a Debbie Downer to begin with, and now it's a hundred times that. I am. Right. I am so... I don't know. I I don't trust anybody, you know? Right, right. You have to sort of look twice at people. Right, right. Like, what is your intention? Why are you coming over here and standing by me? Or why do you want, why do you, why do you want to talk to me? What's, Mm -hmm. what are you trying to get out of me? And I've learned a lot of that along the way, like who your friends are and who people are that just want to peddle your business. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, sure. Yep. Well, I certainly right. appreciate so, you taking this time with me. Um, well, I could keep you on the phone for days, as you've probably figured out. That's okay. You, um, <laughs> I will. I will be in touch with you. I will um, okay. um, send you all the stuff beforehand. Okay. Um, if we get anything wrong, you can uh, let me know, and then um, and then we'll go from there. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. my, and you know when I was explaining that to you, it's it's just frustrating. Like when a lot of the information I think that you had, you saw the um, 
the watch party, right? Yes. Yep. The one that Chris Van Cleef did, um, Law and Crime. Yeah. So, like, they got the dates wrong. And okay. So when I was and they also yours, made it seem like they're. It was the same family. They had the truck. Yes. 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 So that, and that's why I was saying to you, I, and they told me, you can see it before we release it. Well, they never did. And so mm-hmm. that adds more confusion on top yeah. of confusing media reports anyway. That's why it's like I'm anal. And it's like I went over yeah. this and over this and over this with Chris Van Cleef, and he still got it wrong. And they spelled and his he name wrong. spelled his the name. Whole thing. Yep. And I'm like, you could have at least spelled his name right. But right. That's just poor, it, like, that's yeah, awful. like, attention to detail. Hello. You know? Yeah. But, but again, I take a step back, and I'm just glad that they did it, and they took a chance on it, because that company is run by Dan Abrams. And I don't know if you oh, know okay. Dan Abrams yeah. or not. Okay, so Dan Abrams is the producer of Law and Crime. And... Dan Abrams isn't, um, he, you know, the, what is that show, the police one? Um, oh, my gosh. Live PD. Um, live PD, yeah. Yep. So Dan Abrams, that's who Law and Crime is, and this Chris Van Cleef that came here to interview me works for Dan Abrams. Okay. And when, when Chris Van Cleef called me about doing an interview, um, I said, well, where where did you get my name? And because I didn't contact him, he contacted me. And he said, "Well, I was googling missing males in New York or missing people in New York state." And he said, "And a list of missing males came up and I just clicked on your son's name and I got intrigued with the story and I started sharing it with my coworkers mm-hmm. and they felt that we should contact you." And I said, "Well, you're not going to want to talk to me because the police won't comment." And he said, "We don't care." We want to talk to you. So oh. I was like, oh, well, they're taking a chance. So, you know, right. I'm glad that I got the eight minutes or ten minutes or whatever I got mm-hmm. because that is the closest thing to national exposure that we have gotten. Right. And Dan right. Abrams was like, we don't care if the police are going to talk to her or not. We want we want to talk to her. So yeah. I was I was glad for the coverage, even though you confuse the story a little bit, you're confusing <laughs> the viewers. But yeah. you know what? At the end of the day, his name is out there. His name, so right? People, you know, so many people have asked to join his group from seeing that. I've gotten all kinds oh, of messages good. from people from all over the place, and I mean, that's that's the idea. And one of these days, I'm hoping this turns into a big campaign where I can get everybody to start writing letters to the higher ups. Yeah. I mean, you know, somebody's got to have an answer somewhere. Right, yeah. absolutely. All right, so get a hold of me, and I'll I'll look for your messages. And if you have any questions, feel free to call me. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate no, it. No, thank you. No, thank, thank you so you. much. You don't know how much right. I appreciate it. I, have a good I night. hope it gives. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Tell your sister I said thank you too. Oh, I will. Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. Bye bye. Thank you.